Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. One crappie can spawn out 50,000 babies. There's enough for everybody. If anybody says there ain't no crappie in Beaver Lake, they, they need to come with me. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ozark Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Veet, and we have the privilege of being joined by the crappie whisperer, the buck buster, the honeybee hero, the statue maker, the real-life wildlife Medusa, Mr. Peyton Usry himself. How are you? Good, man. I want to talk to you about a couple things. You're, you're kind of a, a tough interview to prepare for because you do a lot of different stuff. Um, you just heard some, some names I threw out there in the intro. You do honeybee rescue. Obviously, you have Big Pete's taxidermy. But then really what, why I originally reached out to you was to talk crappie. Man, you're a busy guy. How do you make time for it all? It's one day after another. I mean, I, I get a schedule going, and I, I got to do this tomorrow, and I got to do that tomorrow. And if I try to take a day off, I'm, I'm sitting there for five minutes going, I better go do something. Yeah. I've got, I've got to do something. Well, thanks for making time for us and your busy schedule. Uh, I know it's not always easy to carve out an hour or so to talk with us uh, or to talk to anybody, really, right, when right. you got everything going on. So we appreciate you. I want to get into, obviously, you, are, you have become known not just as a taxidermist, but as a crappie guide extraordinaire, the crappie whisperer. You've been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, I see on Facebook, you're, you're going out there. It doesn't matter who you're with, first timers, old timers, you're just pulling in a mess of fish and, and it just looks like a blast. So before we get into how you catch them and all that, how did you get into crappie fishing and kind of what's your background and, and how, how'd you get into it? I think my obsession started when I was a little kid and, uh, well, you know, I had, two dads and they both like to fish uh one hunted more than the other but you know I, I learned fishing from my stepdad mostly and you know, like i said uh told you before there was a picture of of me as i mean i think i was two years old holding two crappie and i was butt naked <laughs> and i mean i'm like the I classic I, young yeah the pictures from the, way back in the, the day picture from grandma's pond you yeah. know so i mean I, I tell everybody that's where the obsession started I mean, just, butt naked and, and fishing. Oh man, just crazy. You still do that every so now crap. and then. I wish, but I, I'm too. <laughs> I'm too white. I'll burn. <laughs> so, but uh, no, it started real young. Um, my like I said, my stepdad took me a lot, and I just always wanted to go crappie fishing. I didn't care about. I don't know. I don't know where the drive came from. I just think you know, it's just a fun fish. They're pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're challenging at times, and and they taste delicious. Mm, they fry up good. So I mean, you know. You always seen the bass fishermen, and I was like, I like bass fishing and all, but the the crappie was my challenge. I like, I want to go after them. I want to figure them out. So, yeah, that's where that kind of that that addiction started. Yeah, it really started young, and then um, I don't know. I think it was about I don't know when I was first able to get my first boat. Then I started going out. I was able to go out by myself. Okay, and uh, what, what age was that? Would you say? 
I think I, I think I was right at 18 when I got my own boat. Okay. Finally. And was able to go. I didn't have to go with my dad or nobody. I was able to go out by myself. And uh, I started watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, the old YouTube. And Man, you can learn anything on YouTube. Man, yeah. And I started seeing Wally, this guy named Wally Marshall dock shooting. I was like, man. I said, we got a lot of docks on Beaver. Yeah. And I was watching that and I was learning. Okay. So I went out the first day. And it was, I mean, I went up to one dock and it was just bam, 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 bam. I was like, oh, my God. Fish after fish. You know, and it was fish. wintertime, and, you know, I was coming in, and all the old timers were like, man, what'd you catch all them at? You know, it's wintertime. What are you, them some slabs, you mm-hmm. know? And then I just kept being known for I just kept catching them and catching them and catching them. And then I started figuring out other places, and, and I said, man, these fish are really, I can really catch them in the wintertime. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it started gaining t- attention, you know? And, uh, and then I was able to get some sponsors through talking about baits and stuff and posting stuff online. I got, the, you know, that professional attention. And then started doing some tournaments. And, you know, next thing I know, I got everybody asking me to take them fishing. Yeah. So then it just exploded from there, man. Yeah. It's, it's been it's been an awesome ride. That's been a – so you've been doing basically – at first you were just going out fishing, doing yeah, your thing, just, tournaments yeah. by yourself where you go with your dad. Or... Uh, I started doing a lot of turns with my wife. Okay. So we were a team. Yeah. So – and that, you know. uh my, cool. my dad's fishing me a few of them. What's it like fishing with your with your wife? Uh, I mean, she might have a different opinion about it. I mean, <laughs> it's fun. I mean, she knows she knows the game going in. Yeah, you know. I mean, um, do you get pretty serious? Like, you get into competitor man, mode, and oh, you're like, I'm so competitive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm so competitive. <laughs> I don't go, I don't go fishing to go fishing. I go to go catching. Yeah, it. You know, just like my life, I run and gun. Sure. So you no, know, so fishing is I run and gun, and you know that's what you have to do. You have to run and gun, and, and she knows that. And, I mean, I hook one, and I say it's big. She runs up there at the net and gets it. You know, she did that for a long time. She took care of the fishing live well, kept them alive, mm-hmm. the tournaments and stuff. She'd fish with me, but, I mean, it'd be a couple minutes. I'd have another one. She'd get the net again. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, she's like, I'm just going to stand here. So, <laughs> you, just, you fish. I'm yeah, she's like, it. I'm just going to stand here and net them. And it, and it worked out perfect. Yeah, I mean, it actually it, helps. It, to it, have it was person. teamwork. Yeah. You know? And she'd be back there going, no, that one ain't big enough. And she'd throw it over the side. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, be an ounce off to call another one. You know, yeah. it's like, dang it. Oh man. So yeah, it's it's fun. We really, really developed our relationship doing that. Yeah. If you can fish with your wife, you'll stay married forever. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think a lot of people get to do that. I've I've gotten to take my wife out some and do some fishing. I fly fish mostly. I'm, I'm I'll say it now. I'm I'm not a I'm not a good crappie fisherman. I I just haven't done it a whole lot. I didn't grow up on a lake. I didn't grow up around lake fishing, boat fishing. I never had a boat, so it was always. In a creek, in a stream, wherever you had access, yeah. any public access or private access that you had was how I grew up. And, and so I've taken my wife out doing some of that and she likes it, but it's like, it's not, uh, it's not all the time. And, and the, the few times we do get to do it, it's a lot of fun, but it's definitely my passion more than, more than right. Hers, right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a lot of women are into it, but it is what it is. It's fishing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> So you were doing some tournaments, you and your wife. I assume you guys were doing well. You were you were winning. Yeah, we were doing real well. I assume. Yeah, yeah. And then, at what point did it kind of turn into people were calling you? How how long after you kind of got it, started getting? It serious? wasn't long. I mean, social media just got it just exploded. It, you know, people like take me and I and I told I said no for a long time. I'm like I'm really? not a, I'm not a guide. Yeah. You know, go with this person, go with that person. And finally, I just had to like, man, I'm turning away money. Yeah. So at this point, were you already self-employed? Were you kind of figuring I, out your career? I, I, well, I, I've been a tax service for almost 18 years now. Okay. So I was doing that, 
but I had a full time job at another at, for a company, and I I really didn't have time. Yeah, you know, if I if I wanted to fish, I wanted to go on you know on the weekends with just me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't want to have to take people. But then I was like, when I went completely full time, um, uh, self being self employed, then it I was like, you know, I I need to go ahead and do this too. Yeah. So you know, I ended up getting a bigger boat and. Uh, and then I got busy. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they constantly call me. What's that jump? I'm, I'm just curious, you know, someone who loves to fish, someone who's had success in tournaments, but then taking it that something that you love doing and making it your job. What, what is that jump like? And, and, you know, I think like something I've always heard or thought of is, ah, you know, if I make something that I love my job, I may not love it quite as right. much. Is how does that, how do you relate to that? I think it's more, well, first, it's a scary jump to go from being employed somewhere to doing, you know, your own gig. Yeah. It's, it's very scary. It's, I mean, if you're not working, you're not making money. Right. I mean, so, and you have to be, you have to get up and go. So, but no, it's. Because I, I asked that because there's, I bet there's a lot of people listening who they love to fish. They love right. to hunt. And they're like, it's how could I make that my full-time career? And then they, the second question would be like, do I even want to? You know what I mean? So there's guides that do it every day. I mean, there's some guys in other states that do it every day, and there's no way I could do it because after the after the third or fourth day, you're just, you're just exhausted. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you're exhausted, especially if you're in the sun. So it's and a long I, day. So I've made it to where I don't guide year round. I'll most of my time is uh, February through uh, May, and then I slow down, do one here and there mm-hmm. because I just I just can't keep doing it. it I, I I burn myself out. Yeah, every year. Yeah, guiding. So yeah, I it does. That. And, and the guys that do it. Full time every day, uh, the power to them. I mean, I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, it but, is a grind. I mean, you mentioned being in the sun, being in the wind. The wind will beat you up just as much as the sun. Yeah, and and, and I'm I'm so competitive that I want my customers to catch fish. I want them to you know to keep fish. And if you know that pressure, mm-hmm. that pressure is just as bad as tournament fishing. Yeah, if you think you know. Yeah. You're like, man, I don't, I don't want to look like I stink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, got these people paying yeah. me on their day yeah, off. Yeah, they're like, and... they see all these pictures from the last three days, and this day's they're not gonna bite. Yeah, I look bad. You yeah, know? that's true. So, and that the pressure. So, you know, after a couple of days, you gotta take a break. Yeah, I do anyway. So, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, that makes sense. And you kind of, you know, we were talking, but uh, you kind of have a unique approach, which I actually really appreciate. But I see, you know, potential uh, downsides with it. But you were talking about if you don't have a good day. You won't charge, right? No, I don't. I don't hear any guy doing that, or not that I know of. There's probably more, and you probably tell me there's there's a lot of people who maybe do that, but I've never heard of that. I I, I don't know another guy that does, and they tell me I'm crazy for doing it. And you know, I have customers that you know, if it's a bad day, I you know, I tell them it's a bad day, don't owe me nothing. They're like, they look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not charging you. To, I know I would. Yeah, because because like, you spent the time. You know, you you paid for the gas. You took us out. You probably provided lunch and stuff like that right now I, I don't worry about that i just try to reschedule i always go by if you don't catch at least one limit which is 15 on beaver lake then you don't pay wow and that's just i mean i've seen i've seen guides come in and you know their customers don't catch nothing and they want full payment and i'm just like oh, it's hard for me to swallow <laughs> i'm like Man, i'll take you out and take you for a boat ride yeah, yeah. <laughs> i, like, I could have done that yeah we could just hang that's out easy money that's what i say but no, I, I want to be the guy that be like, man, we went with Peyton, we caught him, or we didn't, he didn't even charge us, we're going back next week. Yeah, you know, that's so cool, man. The word of mouth is, yeah, yeah. I mean that that in itself is enough for people to just to, I mean, there's no loss, right? Like if it doesn't work out and you don't have a great day, 
You're not going to pay. I'll come here and mount a deer and make my money. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's cool. So you started guiding. You're getting people coming with you. You're pulling fish in the boat. At what point do you kind of realize, like, I kind of, I got this figured out. Like, I got this dialed in. I really feel like I'm, I'm really good at this. I know what I'm doing. Was there, like, ever a day that you had where you just, like, I'm on the money. I know what I'm doing. Or Oh. Well, I'll be honest with you. You start, you start thinking that attitude. You know, which I mean, it's awesome. Some days you have those days, you're like, man, yeah, you know, I'm just like, you get a little too cocky. Yeah, you get a little too cocky, but old Beaver Lake, she'll spank you. Yeah. You start thinking like that, like, I oh, mean, I'm going to catch them every day. She'll spank you and you won't get one to bite. Mm. So it's. So humble you. Yeah. You, you, you be humble on the days that's good. Yeah. And you be thankful, you know, that, that you had that day because there's going to be a day coming. And it's, it's like, is there any fish in this lake? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people see that. They're like, there ain't no fish in this lake. Yeah. Not a one. Not a one. And then it, it, Pete caught them all. Yeah, and then the, and then they'll come to the boat ramp, and I'm stringing up 45, and you know that's just instant hate. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're so, like, I don't like that guy. Yeah. So I try to be nice. They'll come up talking. I'm like, oh man, yeah, we're using this, and we're doing that. You didn't want to be that guy. It's like, oh yeah. Right. Not yeah. talking yeah. to him. <laughs> Sorry, you had a bad day. Yeah. No. That but no, sense. you know, I you know, every year I learn something new, but. Every year I go in, I go in knowing this is where the fish were last year. This is what they were doing. Mm-hmm. This is what they were hitting on, and I can stay on that same method and be productive. Okay, they might switch colors on me. Yeah, but I can stay in that same pattern every year. So what what is it about crappie? I mean, do they have these? You talked about you kind of have the season that you target them. Um, why why do you target them during that time of the year? And and kind of when when can you catch crappie? Can you catch them year round? Year round. Okay. Yep. So the reason I like to do the February through, you know, May is that crappie in our lake, and this is what I found out from all the years of fishing, they migrate up the rivers. Okay. Just like the white bass, the striper, and the walleye. Okay. I, have, I might have people that argue that with me, but I, I, I have a gut feeling they migrate up river because it's the way I, I fish for them and it's the way I find them. And you'll fish an area and it'll have, you know, 10, 11-inch fish year round and then all of a sudden you know in that march period there'll be a bunch of 14 to 17 inches well where'd they come from yeah they get a lot bigger yeah they didn't grow that big in just a couple that you know right, a couple days yeah and it's because them fish have migrated up from the deeper part of the lake where okay. they're, i mean them fish down there at the end of the lake they don't get bothered hardly at all yeah there's a few guys up there that catch them but other than that they're staying 30 35 foot deep and is that just because you can't reach them, or people just don't care to chase them when they're that deep? They just they just don't care to burn a cigarette and watch that bait go. <laughs> I mean, that's that. I'm fast paced fisherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't stand you like that. the go go go. I don't want to fish that deep. Yeah. you know. So no, and that's the main thing. You know, them fish up there can be real tough. Clear water. They're yeah. picky. They have all day to look at your bait. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they'll come up to it and just stare at it like I ain't eating that. Yeah. So no, the river ends a lot better productive. Uh, for that bite. But anyway, them them fish, you know, they come up and they're bigger fish. So, and they're very aggressive. And sometimes they're only two or three foot deep in open water because most of the time with my clients, we either spider rig or we live scope fish. Okay. And, you know, live scope's the new game now. Yeah. But. Um, I want to get into that. Yeah, we will. And, uh, and that's the best time to catch those bigger fish. And customers, you know, they'll catch one and they go, that's the biggest crappie I've ever seen. And you're like... <laughs> you know it's one of those days where you're yeah, feeling pretty you're good like, about yourself yeah yeah and then you're like cha-ching yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm a good guide here yeah <laughs> so you know those, and that's awesome 
And but that bite will stop. Them fish will they'll come up and they'll spawn and they'll leave. Mm. And then they're back down lake. And then you're back to your 10, 11, 12 inch fish, wondering where's all the big fish go. Gotcha. And, and, the, and that's about in that May time frame. Yeah, when you're, yeah, they, they they just disappear. Interesting. So you might catch one or two here and there, but it yeah. ain't a whole live well full of twelve to fourteen inches. Yeah, just the slabs. That you yeah, see. yeah. So and, you know that, and that's why I like to target at the time. It's people say it's an easy bite. It's not always, but it's a bigger bite. Mm-hmm. So you know that's that's the best time to take people. They have a blast. Yeah, so, I mean, who doesn't love to go out there? One, just to catch fish, but to load up on just bigger than average fish, even just a good sized fish. Pulling it in above average crappie. I mean, that's an awesome thing. And they'll be concentrated in one area, so you don't have to burn any gas. Yeah. You just sit in the same spot. Yeah, I put in and Turn go, that trolling motor that's on. That's it. Cruise. Take off. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a win-win. Gotcha. So, okay. So, through so February to May, what about the rest of the season? What are they What are they kind of doing? Um, do they come up because you think they're spawning in that time frame? Yeah, they, they migrate up to spawn uh, and to feed. Okay. They're fe- feeding heavily, and they start getting fat, and that's what creates that aggressive bite. Okay. So... Um, and that's in that, that February, March time frame. Yeah. Best time to go, I think. And then after they spawn, they'll start headed back down Lake. You'll still have your ones that are locals. I call them locals. They're there all the time. Yeah. They'll be on brush piles and this and that roaming out there. And then they'll head down Lake. The bigger fish will, will, and they'll get on pole timber. Hmm. So, and you can catch them year round down there on pole timber. Um, I say year round pro that May to September. Okay. You know, you'll find them year-round on pole timber. Yeah. Down lake. And uh, you can also troll crankbaits during the summertime and catch them, catch them that way. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's a year-round thing. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, my favorite way to catch them is dock shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you know, you're looking for, and that's mostly black crappie. Okay. Our white crappie and our black crappie are um, segregated. You can say that word. <laughs> they haven't quite figured out the integrated <laughs> yeah, they, society they, yet. They don't. They don't hang out together much. Well, that's you know? a shame, man. So it's like if people see me, and that's what I tell people. I said, "You see me catching black crappie? I'm dog shooting." Yeah. I yeah. mean, hands down, you can think whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm dog shooting. I want to ask you something. Are, are crappie? Are they, are they territorial? Are, is that why you know you've got black crappie and they're all, you know, hanging out in the same spot? Are they territorial like that per species, or are they just a territorial fish in general? I think I think black crappie get along more, and they're more they're more social pack, okay. pack hunters. Okay, your white crappie not so much. Usually, when they get to a certain size, they're loners. Hmm. They're like they're, and I've had crappie in a tank at my house, and you can tell that them white crappie are like, this is my bubble. Don't yeah. get in it because they'll they'll go up and they'll go up and peck another fish. Okay, like, stay out of my bubble. So I've I've noticed that a lot mm-hmm. with you know white crappie they're more territorial like you know get get on my space okay so and they're I mean they're also pack hunters we call them wolf packs you'll be four to five in a group but you know they're all spaced out they're usually not all together yeah your younger fish your younger white crappie they'll they'll stack up they'll group up pretty good. yeah yeah with your black crappie or your more your your uh, schooled fish interesting okay and that's why they get underneath those boat docks they'll okay be, they'll be all schooled up under there and um, they they're in that dark they like black crappie like the dark. Cold water. Yeah. So they'll be in them in, in the shadows, and the shadow come by, and they'll just hammer them. I mean, it makes sense. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're playing to their advantage with their, their camo color, right? Yeah. They're a little bit darker. Okay, so talk to me about dock shooting. This is kind of, you were talking about, this is how you kind of. That's how I got started. Okay. Yeah. And, and dock shooting is a method that uh, you take a six-foot rod. It's what I like to use, uh, B&M Sharpshooter 6. And a 16th ounce jig head with a, a baby shad or a jig that you like. 
and you'll find the darkest spot on the dock, whether it's a pontoon boat, underneath a pontoon boat, or a swim deck. Okay. So in between those swim decks, there'll be uh, it'll be a black fl- black floats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll have a hole in there which you, you can get into the dock with in that dark shady spot. Okay. And that's usually where the crappie are. And you'll you pretty much bend that rod back and shoot that jig underneath that dock. Set your bail, get ready, and fill a tap. Hook the fish. So you're pretty precise. I mean, you're really whipping it into these tight holes. Yeah. I mean, under, sometimes underneath. I mean they're only uh, two inches wide. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot, man. That's yeah. Some accuracy yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's tight. And underneath the pontoons is my favorite because you shoot underneath that pontoon, and then you you'll hear that you'll feel that tick when mm-hmm. you set that hook, and it could be a big and it could be a walleye. Yeah. You know, a five pound largemouth bass. Oh, dude, <laughs> man, it's just it's just you're shooting into nothing. Like, what's gonna hit it? Something's under there. I just yeah. know it. And you can catch limits doing that. There's so many crappie on, on boat docks. It's unreal hmm. on Beaver Lake. So I mean, it's a blast. It's 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 challenging. You lose a lot of jig heads. Yeah. Yeah. So just get tangled up in the in the rafters. Anything and stuff. there could be a log underneath the pontoon boat that's okay. hung in there. Yeah, you lose every jig in it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But if you shoot it just right, you'll pull a fish out. How how accurate have you become? I mean, talking about shooting a two inch gaff right there. How long does it take to get that good to be able to put something like that? Lot, in lots of, lots of space? practice, and sometimes you have to breathe just right and wait for the waves to come down at a certain point. So yeah. you're like, okay, wait for the wave. When it comes down, then shoot. Uh, so it opens that gap up yeah. a little bit, you know. Yeah. And or you breathe just right, you know. It's <laughs> it's kind of like shooting a bow. You gotta hold your breath and steady your aim. Steady it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a what's the technique? Are you pretty much are you kind of coming around the top, like drawing a C with the end of the rod? Yeah, pretty much side? a street a C and keeping your line and your jig parallel with the water. Okay. Yep. And you and shoot. I mean, it takes a lot of practice. I mean, s- sit at home with a five gallon bucket and shoot into it. Yeah. You know. Pull your pull it back like a bow and shoot into the shoot oh, your jig into the bucket. Tip. Yeah, that's a good tip. I like to grab uh, behind the hook too, so not the jig head itself, but just just behind the hook. It's, you're grabbing the hook itself, but you're making sure the barbs are in front of your fingertips, right? So you don't hook yourself. Yep. And uh, that's the that's the Mac Daddy of crappie fishing. It's fun. It's challenging. Yeah. And you know, I get people that go with me, and they'll just go, "God, how'd you do that?" You know, that in there. Yeah, and they'll they'll shoot it and it'll go five foot in there and you know over the backside. They're oh, like, yeah, I gotta be... have some practice. I'm like, yeah, keep shooting. Yeah, you'll, you'll get it down. That'd be me. That'd be me. I'd be trying to figure out yeah but how to get so it. So much fun. I mean, it's just it's 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 challenging, but it's fun. How important is it to get it just in the right spot? I mean, accuracy of the cast is it kind of is that all everything? Like you got to do that, or can you kind of get away with some of these? Like, yeah, that wasn't the best cast, but they're gonna hit that anyways. Yeah, if they're not deep underneath there, yeah, you okay. can get away with it. Sometimes they'll be 20, 30 feet back in there. Yeah. And if you don't pull it back as hard as you can to get it all the way back there, they won't come get it. Yeah, just tucked up. Yeah. Man. So, I mean, it's 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 accuracy. Get it in the right spot where they are. So that's the way. Is is that pretty much like you're talking February to May when you're guiding? Is that pretty much the the method you use? What would you say? So, no, of the so time? like dock shooting, I don't guide doing that because it's too difficult. And like I said, you oh, you don't guide dock shooting? No. Oh, okay. No, I don't do that because it's too tough. It's too tough to teach. Gotcha. And you lose so many jig heads on your own. You know, so yeah. you have a bunch of people. A whole boat full. Yeah, bang, 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 <laughs> ping, ping. And the next thing you know, you got a dock artist coming down here going, y'all need to get away from my dog. Yeah, you seriously. Know? So, no, I don't do that. I, I mostly do that for fun. Or if I have somebody that wants to just come learn dock shooting, then I'll spend one-on-one trip with them. Okay. So I do one-on-one educational trips, which we can do that, or electronics or the live scope fishing. Yeah. But, no, that's just a, a method to go out and learn it and, and catch limits. Be consistent. It's the dock fish. Okay, so when you talk about that, so say someone comes out there and they do the one-on-one education with you, 
is that are you kind of setting them up to do something like you can shoot docks year round? Yeah, and you don't have to have expensive equipment. You can do it out of a kayak. You don't you don't have to have all this technology. Just go from dock to dock to dock, whichever ones you can get to, mm-hmm. and look for the dark places and shoot your jig in there. Yeah, I mean it's I think it's a besides the jig heads you're going to be using it's a it's a cheap way of catching them and it's it can be consistent and productive. Yeah. That's so, a huge part of it, just the consistency of it. Because everybody goes out and you're just like, yeah, I, caught, I was catching them on this one day. They go out there, no fish. No yeah. fish to be found, right? And I'm sure that's still going to happen um, from time to time. And sometimes, you, you know, you go to dock and there'll be six, 700 fish on it because now with live school, we can count. I mean, there's, oh my gosh, the companies there just lights up. Yeah. You might catch three or four and the other ones are like, huh, I ain't falling for that. Yeah. Bob and Jeff just got hooked. <laughs> yeah. You know? There goes Bob again. Yeah, they're like, I'm not biting that. Yeah. So and then you just go to the next one, you know, and then. The way I've I've became so consistent catching fish is because I move a bunch. Mm. I'll catch two here, two there, three there, four there, two there. You know, I just I move fast. You know, if if the bite quits, I'm gone. You're gone. Yeah, On to the next yeah. Dog. It's not waiting a bobber going, watching a bobber going. They're going to turn on any minute. Mm-hmm. You know, no. Do, do you do you target specific docks? I mean, I'm sure you kind of know what the honey hole docks are, but I'm mean, like I'm looking for a really big dock that's got this kind of you know, structure, it's got this overhanging thing with shade. What what are you looking for? Uh at least in at least fifteen foot of water, twelve to fifteen foot of water, all the way to sixty foot. Okay. So I'm looking for docks with lots of boats in them, pontoons, even some of these docks that are enclosed still. Um they're grandfathered in. Those are good ones. Um just just ma- mainly your 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 deep your your dark deep docks are the best. Okay. So, but I mean, I find them on docks sometimes and I'm like, oh, I don't know there's fish here. Yeah. You know, it'll just be loaded up. Yeah. So, I mean, don't, don't ever be like, ah, oh, that don't even look like it has no fish on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now check it out. You'll hit it. Yeah. Go check it out and see if it does. Then, then you'll kind of learn, you know, which docks are better. Mm-hmm. But 90% of them have fish on them. Yeah. So, Makes I mean, you're just... going to catch, you might shoot in there and catch a bunch of Kentuckys. Yeah. You know, spotted bass. So, I mean, that's a win too. On the same, on the same rig, rig yeah, and setup. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I've caught five pound largemouth. So, Heck didn't yeah. get them all in. Yeah. But once they realize they're hooked, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. So, or they'll come out and eat a six-inch crappie. Oh, so man. That's awesome. But. So, okay. So, you don't do that when you're when you're taking your clients out, but you do teach that. What are you, what are you mostly fishing then when you're bringing somebody on the boat? So, when I bring somebody on the boat, usually uh, we do the spider rigging. Okay. So, it's, it's a method. We have eight 16-foot rods. Okay. And each rod has two baits on it. That's a long rod. Yeah. And what that does is get our poles out uh, far out in front of us so we don't spook fish. Okay. And I'll set two people up up front, and I'll be behind them with my remote controlling the trolling motor. Okay. So, and all we're doing is covering water for suspended fish. Suspended fish are out there roaming. And uh, we do that method, or we do the actual uh, single pole. where We're after the same suspended fish, but we're using live scope, the new technology, to uh, catch a single fish. So. Mm-hmm. I'll scan and I'll find that fish and I'll have my customers pitch out there to that fish and hold the rod and you just lower it down and that fish will see that jig and come up and come up and hit it. Take it. Yep. What's the key to spider rigging? I mean, you know, you're just kind of you're covering water, right? Like you're covering yeah. ground and and I don't know, you tell me, but um do you know that there's fish there before you spider rig a spot or are you just trying to cover as much ground as you can to find them. You, usually we, we do, we go in and use your old 2D side scan sonar and you pick up fish, uh, stump, you know, stump fields or just mud flats. Mm-hmm. Usually year round there's fish there. 
So you just you just set your rods out and you cover the water. Okay. You know, you know, after doing it so many years, you know where fish should and shouldn't be, and and yeah, and now with live scope, I mean, it, you scan through there. I and, and when I'm spider rigging, I'll scan it back and forth, and and I'll, I'll turn my spider rigs into that fish and go right for it, and I say, okay, now watch this rod right here. He's gonna hit it. <laughs> You can so, pick the rod. Yeah, I can of, pick, of the eight I can that pick you got the rod. I said, it's, and I, I tell him, I said, this is rod one, two, three, and four. I said, it's yeah. on your number one, number one. Get ready. Yeah, you know. So it's it, live scope's a great tool. Yeah, but yeah, so it's it's and, then, and they'll get all ready, you know, and that you'll see that fish come up and hit it, and then just set the hook. Gosh, man, that's fun. That's a blast. That's like playing video games. Yeah, <laughs> it's video game fishing. That yeah, it is. Yeah. So, but my customers end up getting to watching the screen, and I'm like one, 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 one. They're like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> You're fishing, buddy. Yeah. Get number one. Hook him. Hook him. So, yeah, it's a blast. So, you know, that, there's so many methods to catch them. Yeah. And, you know, being a productive uh, fisherman on Beaver Lake, you need to learn multiple methods. Yeah. Because they're always biting somewhere on something. Hmm. So, w- will you, if you're going out there and say it's just you or if you're going out there and say they're just not hitting on the the dock shooting will you change it up and, and rig a spider rig or is that that seems like a lot of equipment so, to kind of switch yeah so when i go by myself it'll be the dock shooting or it'll be the the single pulling yeah or or just fishing the same method of single pulling but you're uh if, if you're fishing pole timber you'll be you'll you'll scan to that pole piece of pole timber and you'll see the crappie on it mm. so it's pretty much pitching out to them and catching them that way. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, usually I don't usually spider rig when I'm by myself. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I want to run. And, I want to run a gun. I, I, I don't mind spider rigging, but I don't love it. Yeah, it's too slow for me. Yeah. So you're this running gun. See every man, time. I mean, I've you makes know, sense. I, I I don't want to go 100 yards and have to you know not see a fish. Yeah. Oh. So back you know back before last cup, it wasn't no bad. It was like mm-hmm, you know it's fine. But now mm-hmm. it's like you know I'm scanning like crazy. Like oh, this is boring. Yeah. How so. do you how do you feel about the live scope? Obviously, you know you're kind of touting it. It's a great tool and it it helps you find fish. There is some controversy though around it of people saying like, I don't know, man, that's just not fishing. That's not the way I did it when I was growing up, or my dad did it, or all that stuff. You you get that. You what, get the, what is the controversy? It, it's the depleting the population. Is that these guys are going out and they're catching their limit every time instead of just catching you know ten or twelve like they used to. Like mm-hmm. no, before live scope, I was still catching limits yeah <laughs> so yeah and on other lakes uh that are known for really big fish you know and then and them lakes do have big fish and if everybody's going there and catching a three pounder and taking it home and mounting it i, I could see that mm-hmm. but with our lake our fish that are big fish are old so you're only doing the population better by taking out the older fish in our lake why is that because they're they're done spawning they've already spawned two or three times in their lifetime and it's like this year we've seen a lot of our big females. They never even tried to spawn. They're they're absorbing their eggs. Mm. I mean they didn't even they didn't even attempt it. Really? So uh, you know on our lake most of your fish are doing the spawning are your nine to twelve inch fish. So so in our lake it, it does we're not gonna hurt the population on our lake at all. I don't think. And, and are you saying that's unique to our lake? It, it is for that train of thought. Okay. The big fish. Okay. Now it, it's different than bass. You know, bass, the big females are your breeders. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But with crappie, it's totally different. So, and, and there's more. I mean, you know, one crappie can, you know, spawn out 50,000 babies. I mean, it's, so it's not. That's crazy. You know, it's it's not hurting anything. If only, if you know, only 500 of them spawn, that's 500,000. Yeah. So, you know. It's a ton of fish. <laughs> we got, and there's tons of them. And I tell people that. And that's why I don't care to teach people how to, you know, to crappie fish and show them things. 
even people on the bank giving them free pointers because there's enough for everybody. Right. And I tell people, I mean, like, I go up to these docks and I, there's a thousand. Yeah. A thousand crappie under. They're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know? And you're like, no, seriously. Catch and I'll, right send them, there. I'll send them a picture of my phone. Like, look at the screen. They're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's crappie. Wow. So, I mean, we're we're good. Yeah. Beaver Lake's good to go. Well, what would you say in terms of, you know, obviously you've been fishing a while. What would you say our relative population is now as it compares to the past? Is it as good as it's ever been? Is it down from where it used to be? People always talk about like, oh, back in the old days. Oh, man, back in, you know, I hear my uncles talk about back in the 80s. I mean, it's just, it. they get tired of catching them. I mean, it was just like, oh, man, that's another one. Another you, know, and I, you know, they, you know, get done in 30 minutes catching a limit, you know. And that could be 45 or 65 or whatever. Yeah. That they did back whatever then. Whatever it was back then. Yeah. And then it's and it's all 14 inches, you know. I, I think that 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 size class is kind of gone now. I mean, there is more people catching. Um, but there wasn't as many people fishing then. Mm. So there uh, there was more. There's probably too many. And there probably was a lot of old fish. Yeah. Then. Yeah. So but I I think it's still that was probably excellent, but it's it's still good. Mm, okay. It's 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 a good excellent. If we, now if we have another good spawn, it'll be back to excellent. I mean, you know, the water this year and the weather is is it killed the spawn. Mm. Most of our black crappie did spawn, but our white crappie most of them didn't. Really? So how come? Yeah, yeah. just because our black crappie will go to the bank at fifty five degrees okay. and spawn. So that that water temperature, uh, it kind of regulates itself. It stays that fifty five. But our white crappie want to spawn at 60 to 62. Well, when it's trying to get to 60 to 62, it fluctuates real bad. Yeah, right. You so, got the cold and, nights. You got the rain coming in, dropping and, the temp. And crappie are lazy. Yeah. And, you know, the white crappie get up there and they're like, I'm not going to keep doing this. Either we're going to do it today or we're not going to do it at all. And that's the mentality that them fish have. I mean, I've, I've that's what I've noticed after all these years of fishing. If if it messes with them too many times when they're ready to spawn, they're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm just going back out. Interesting. Yeah, I'll absorb these eggs. <laughs> Try again next year. Better luck next year. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that, and it's and that's how it's been the last couple of years is that weather fluctuation, hmm. or we'll get a huge flood. Yeah. Or it's like now the course draining the lake now. Like all the bass are trying to spawn, they're draining the lake out from under them. Hmm. So you know, and it's not a, you know the course says it's not a it's not a a hatchery. It's a water you know reservoir reservoir. Yeah. So you know. It is what it is. So, and there's there's so many interests within one population of you have the drinking water, then you have the the Corps of Engineers, the dam, like the, yeah. the hydroelectric power. Then you've got the people down in the tailwaters, and then the people up into Missouri and Table Rock, and like you just yeah. Now now the tailwaters are all complaining that the hot water's coming in and killing you know trout. Exactly. So I mean it's you can't win. Yeah, they and they can't win for yeah. sure. But I mean I, I don't know. But it's there's plenty of crappie. They'll they'll recover. Yeah. So I'm in. You know, you know, John Stein, he's a really good biologist we have here and he Yeah, we talked to John. Yeah, he he takes care of our stuff, man. And he watches it and he talks to us and he'll spawn out uh crappie fry up there in the management ponds and mm-hmm. they'll get tons of them. Yeah. And so yeah, we're we're good. We're in good hands. Yeah, he puts out habitat and I mean, yeah. There's there's plenty of it. If anybody says there ain't no crappie in Beaver Lake, they they need to come with me. Yeah. They're not looking in the uh, right I'll make them sick. Like, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right, man. It just it's just not not you can't catch them all the time. Yeah. I mean, they're it's Beaver Lake. She's she's evil. <laughs> she, I mean, she, you know, it's nature. You do you think you got nature figured out, she'll whoop you. Yeah, that's just any 
aspect of the outdoors, whether it's hunting, fishing, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Once you feel like you got it figured out, that's exactly when you're going to learn something new. I mean, you have, I have them really good days. I tap that water and I say, thank you, old girl. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. it's, you know, she could, cause the next day she could be mean to me. How, how often do you say, would you say that happens where you go out there and you're just like, man, you know what? I just, I got whooped today. Uh, I'll say out of, tw- out of 20 or 30 trips out, maybe three of them. Okay. You know, could be that way. Yeah. You know, it could be a whole week. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this end of May, uh, April into May, I think it was two weeks of that. I mean, it was like, man, she's being mean. She's mean to me. Yeah, I'm like, and it's bad when you're you're on top of all the fish that are right under the boat. So they'll, you're finding them still. Oh, I'm fi- they'll follow it all the way up through troll motor and they'll go back down. And you're like, well, I guess you didn't want it. Because, huh. you know, the water got so clear real fast. Yeah. So they'd follow that, that bait all the way to the troll motor and you'd see them come up out of the shadows and they'd go back down. I'm like, what the heck? Don't matter what you threw at them. What you drop, the you drop a live minute down there, and they just be like, huh. yeah, I ain't eating that. Wow, man, they're just picky. Fish are funny like that. It's yeah. just sometimes you just don't know what to, what's gonna be the thing to. Yeah, piss and that's them why I like you know the darker water because they don't have time to look at your jig. Right. You know when it's clear they can inspect it. Yeah, they're too long. The opportunity. Oh, yeah. they're just gonna hit quick. Yeah, they're just looking at it going that sparkles off. <laughs> nah, I'm not eating it. Yeah, you know. So like I said, they're lazy. Yeah, they are lazy. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not gonna hang around and taste it. Yeah. So okay, so we we talked about it a little bit of this. So you already talked about what you would use to to shoot docks. Um, did you go into the equipment you'd need for spider rigging? Uh, so like, well, how do you, how do you rig those up? So it's a sixteen foot bucks graphite jig pole from B and M. Okay. Um, I like to use eight pound test. Okay. On that and uh, number two bronze hook at the top and a loop knot. And then down from that, about 12 inches. Is a loop knot just to give it that extra little bit of wiggle? Yeah, and it gets it, away, it gets it away from the main line. Okay. So, and that's what you put a minnow on. Okay. And then you'll come down, and you'll have a, a half-ounce egg sinker, a swivel. Mm-hmm. I don't really matter what size. Just, no, not no ocean swivel, just small <laughs> swivel. Yeah. And then down another 12 inches and have you a 16-ounce jig head and a plastic and a, another minnow. Okay. And that, So, my baits are roughly two foot apart. Okay, gotcha. And that covers a lot of the uh, the water, you know, the, the depths of water. Yeah. So on one pole, you got two baits. Uh, all all eight of them has two baits. Okay. So, so two per. going back to the picky crappie, he comes up, he looks at one bait, and then he goes, oh, there's a minnow up there. I'm going to eat that instead. Uh, okay. And then, you know, Give this, a little option. And, and this, you know, people always say crappie don't feed down. Most of the time they don't. But I've watched them look at that minnow, then come down and come back up and hit that bottom bait. Mm-hmm. Just because it has a chartreuse tail or something. Just something different. Yeah. So, and then, you know, it's, I've had it happen a couple times. They'll eat the bottom bait and eat the top bait. Oh, both of them. Yeah. They'll they'll both of them. Yeah. It's hungry. Or they'll, they'll come out of nowhere and just hammer that sinker. Just gulp it. And I'm like, why are you hitting the sinker? <laughs> what is that? You know, and, you know, and you can see that now in live scope. But before that, I actually hooked one uh, in the corner of the mouth because the line got wrapped around it. Mm. And he had the sinker in his mouth. He's just munching I'm on the like, sinker. <laughs> come on, man. That's crappie for you. I mean, they're just feisty. They're just, you don't you don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah, that's what makes it a challenge. Will you across your eight poles? Will you change the colors of your of your bait, your minnows, and, and stuff? Yeah, like I'll that? change different colors. If okay. I find one that's really working, I'll put, I'll put them all on there. Okay, like You'll, silverfish is a is a great color. You go silver, all in on silverfish minnow minor. Yeah, I'll put them on all of them. So that way they ain't got too much of a choice. It's minnow or bait. Which one you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, but. That's yeah. a, I mean, oh, I bet mean, I have a whole tackle tray of all different colors because, 
you know, like this year we found that they wanted black and chartreuse, and the water was just, just as clear as drinking water. Hmm. Like, why do you want that? Yeah. They wouldn't hit anything that's, you know, that's a natural color or nothing. They wanted black and chartreuse. Do you have kind of general rules of thumb? You know, people talk about clear day, clear water, put this on, sunny, overcast, you know, overcast, cloudy water. Yeah, I mean, and I'll and I go back to this, that cloudy days, for some reason, are your some of your best days for dog fishing. The cloudy, rainy, nasty days. Yeah. Then black crappie just get feisty, hmm. and they want to eat. And most of the time, when I dock shoot, I use a uh, Bobby Garland Baby Shad Monkey Milk. You go monkey milk and the lima chartreuse jig head is a color you can throw year-round on Beaver Lake and catch fish with. Really? And any species. Wow. So That's a pro that's tip a good, right that's there. A pro t- that's a good one right that's there. Monkey tip. milk, lima chartreuse jig head. Write that 16, down, 16,000. Yeah. 16,000. Yeah, if, if if they sent me to the lake and they gave me that one bait for the year, I'd be I'd be all right. That'd be the one you'd pick? Yep, that's it. All yep. right. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm going to go get out there and try that. Yeah. So when people open up my tackle box, they're like, well, you got a lot of monkey milk. <laughs> you're like, you're dang right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, watch me. You lose half of them today trying to get this big old fish out of the bottom of this dock. Yeah. So. Man, that's cool. You know, obviously, everything you're talking about is is hitting them from a boat, right? Can you catch crappie not in a boat? You can, but it's gotten so tough now that there's so many of us that, uh, well, I shouldn't say us, but there's so many uh, anglers that are that bank fish. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, our lake's got such a thick shoreline that they don't have very many options. Okay. So, yes and no. When you say thick shoreline, what do so you So, like, it's unaccessible. Okay. It may be a better word. Yeah. So, those accessible spots, they get hammered. Sure. So, when people ask, hey, where can I catch them from bank? Best thing, best advice to give them is Lake Elmdale or Lake Fayetteville. Mm. Has more bank fishing opportunities and it's easier for them to catch fish. Yeah. That way. I won't, I won't ever... Send somebody to Beaver Lake to catch from the bank. Yeah. I mean, it's such a huge lake. Yeah, it, to, it, it is. And to sit there and feel like you're doing your best to cover any water, find fish, it's like, yeah. it's just not. And I don't want to lie to somebody. Oh, you can go right here and catch them from the bank. Just fine. Yeah. I mean, if that was the case, I'd be down there. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't burn no gas. Yeah. <laughs> so. And and do the same kind of uh, methods and tactics that you just talked about, do those apply on like Lake, Lake Elmdale, Lake Fayetteville? Oh yeah, Bella yeah. Vista Lakes. Yeah, you can you can spider rig or uh, live scope. I'd love to go live scope Bella Vista Lakes. I haven't I haven't got to go up there yet, but I heard there were some of them with some crappie in them. Okay, and nobody's really after them. I'm probably catching biggins. Yeah, so I know people up up there doing some uh, some catfishing and stuff up on those lakes. Yeah, they're supposed to be in there pretty thick. Yeah, they're big red ear too. I heard so. Yeah, I, I'll get carried away on that. But yeah, you can. I mean, anywhere anywhere in the United States. I mean, it's a crappie lake. These methods work. Crappie, they're just anywhere. Yeah. Are they are they predominantly in lakes? Can you find them in rivers? Can you find them in ponds? I guess if someone stocked a pond, maybe. Yeah, our, I mean Arkansas River ponds. Ponds are there's if you can find you know it's hard to get access to ponds anymore. Right, right. I've even caught crappie in Osage Creek. Really, out there towards Salem. Yeah, yeah. I've caught them in there before. So so they're pretty ubiquitous. They kind of they're wherever you yeah they're look for them. They're a, they're a native species. Okay. So yeah, but your you know your lakes have your biggest numbers. Yeah, that makes sense. So. And like I said, Beaver Lake's great for them. They've, it's got a ton of crappie. Yeah. It's not known for crappie. It's known for stripers, but there's a lot. Have you fished outside of Beaver Lake a whole lot? Have you have you kind of explored and gone to different lakes? Uh, I went down. Uh, uh, I, I really another good crappie lake I like is uh, down uh, not far from Fort Smith. It's called Blue Mountain. Okay, that's a really good crappie lake. Mm. Um, it's fed off from the river and. Uh, 
it's kind of, it's different fishing, but it's you're white crappie. Okay. So you're in your, it's mostly a live scope lake. I mean, you're out there catching suspended fish above mud flats. Yeah. But there's a lot of fish in there. Yeah. So uh, Bull Shoals is really good. Okay. I have a buddy over there that's, I mean, he's catching hammers. So, but it, but it goes back to that it's clear water and you fish deep. Right. I went over there once and uh, it, it was a hard pill to swallow. I mean, fishing 30 foot deep, like yeah. waiting on that thing and chunk, chunk, fighting the wind. I'm like, man, it, it like it like broke rods trying to get back one day because it was so rough. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, Bushels is a big lake. I was like, you know, Beaver Lake's my, it's my home lake and she's mean enough. So, I've, I try to stay on her and, and just stay on top of them fish. Yeah. So know where they're at. Yeah. If you leave her for a couple of weeks, you're out of loop. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you this to kind of to kind of start wrapping it up. What is it that you love about fishing Beaver Lake and fishing just around here, um, northwest Arkansas, that has just kept you coming back time and time again? Well, I mean, not only being a home lake, but everything's so close. You know, homes close. You know, restaurants are close. I mean, it's just I get what is it? What is that word I'm looking for? Uh, Convenient. Convenient. Yeah, convenience. There you go. Everything's so convenient. And there's plenty of fish here. So it's like, you know, trying to go somewhere else is kind of pointless. You know, I I know I can go here, I can get my limit, and I can go home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the convenience of the lake is is what I like here. Yeah. The most. And I think, I mean, I think you would probably relate to this as as a outdoorsman who doesn't just fish, who likes to hunt, who likes to do other stuff. Oh yeah. This area is just incredible for oh anything you want to go do. Yeah, I mean, I, I can go hunt in the morning and then go catch me a limit and then go hunt the evening. Yeah. I mean. That's a great day. Yeah. And sometimes I, when I'm fishing, I see more bucks chasing does than I see when I'm hunting in the evening. I'm like, dang oh, it. ain't that the truth. Oh, man. That's how it goes every time. You go out, like, squirrel season just opened up. You go out squirrel hunting, you're going to see a bunch of deer. Yeah. Or or better yet, you're going to see a bunch of turkey, right? Yeah. turkey season just ended. Yeah, coming up to you wanting to check you out. I'm like, where were you a couple yeah. weeks ago? Just like two weeks ago. Where were you? Yeah. Yeah, it's just. Oh, that's squirrel hunting too, though. Oh. You go squirrel hunting, you don't see no squirrels. Yeah. You go deer hunting, they're like on, they're like running down your arm. They're everywhere. So I'm like, oh. And they sound like a big buck coming up Oh, yeah. You. Oh, yeah. Like getting right next to me and start barking. And yeah. I'm like, you know, keep it up. Yeah, keep it up. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I'll be here for you tomorrow. Don't see nothing. <laughs> yeah. So that's how it is. But, but yeah, no. this this the area is you got so many opportunities. It's and even I'd say, you know, your business, because it's there's so much variety here, you're able to do what you do versus, you know, if you're somebody who's up in say not to rag on Kansas, Kansas is a great state, but if you're up there, it's like that's a big buck state. Yeah. You're up there to hunt big deer. They've got other stuff, sure, but it's like you kind it's a little bit more like a uh, single track, one one lane and, and it's just the fact that you can do so many different things here and go catch crappie, or especially in the spring, crappie, turkey, you can get after the smallmouth, you can go find morels. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's just, like, countless things. There's so much do. you can do in a day. Yeah. it's. I mean, the opportunities are endless. Yeah, it is. So it's it's a great place. Yeah. It really is. Absolutely. So, and, I mean, like I said, crappie fishing, is this lake's good, and, I mean, I could, I could talk all night about crappie fishing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. just... There's so much stuff in my head, you know. I'll, I'll forget more than I'll ever remember. You gotta, you gotta start writing it down. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna write a book. I'd probably need to. You but, might need to. But stuff will change in a couple of years. I'm sure. That's true. Well, at least we'll have this interview. This will live on. As far as I know, no one has told me that podcasts will ever be deleted from the internet. So no, no. This should be here as long yeah. as the internet exists. Yeah. Well, Peyton, thanks for uh, having us out here and talking with us. And to our listeners, if you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating, a review, and share it with a buddy. Share it with your fishing buddy or the worst fisherman you know. And uh, we'll see you on the next one.
This podcast is hosted by Kyle V and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. For guest recommendations, episode ideas, and general questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or email us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we love making this show and being able to offer this podcast to y'all for free. But if you're listening and you want to support the Ozark Podcast to allow us to travel even further and meet more interesting people, head over to our Patreon and sign up to join our most loyal listeners. Let me tell you, these folks are 100% certified Ozarkans. And of course, we can't forget to thank our good buddy, J.D. Clayton, for providing the amazing music for today's episode. Check out his website to see where he's touring next at jdclaytonofficial.com. Now, sit back and enjoy his song, American Millionaire. Well, I'm on the road.
you are an apiary, so I learn is is the the word that is technically it's a fancy word for beekeeper, right? Yeah, a, a, apiarist. An apiarist, something like that. Yeah. Yes. So, and then the apiary would be the like the hive itself, right? Yes. Okay. Or where you keep the hives. Or where you keep the hive. Yeah. See, I'm already learning stuff. Here. <laughs> so, so how did you get into that? And and kind of what what do you do with that business? Because it, it is a business for you, right? People will call oh, yeah. you and they pay for you to to come do what for them. Uh, to t- come do cutouts. I got into it uh, with another buddy. He opened a hive up t- uh, with me one time, and I was addicted right from the start. They're amazing insects. Yeah. So, and then I got my own hives, and it just continued to grow from there. So what's a cutout? Okay, so a cutout is like uh, a swarm of bees move into somebody's house or a tree in their yard, uh, and you eat. You know, most people are allergic to them, yeah. or they're just scared of them in general. They don't know much just about them. Don't want to get stung, and you don't really want them in your house because they'll get in there and build a huge hive. And if something was to ever happen to them, or they die, you know, all that honey's got to go somewhere, and you know, bugs will get in there and open up all the honey cells. Next thing you know, your walls falling in. Mm, yeah. So, and we also encourage people not to spray them. Let's come cut them out because if the bees aren't there to protect it, then you got a mess. So, but yeah, we we'll go in there and um, we'll find them. And then uh, we'll cut them, pretty much cut them out. That's why they call it a cutout, because you usually have to cut them out of a wall or or a fireplace, you know, something like that. And uh, we can take out all the comb and the bees, and we take them and put them in one of our hives at our farm. Okay. And so how many how many hives do you have currently? I think I've got 52 right now. 52 hives. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably, you know, that's probably not much to big-time keepers. They, they have that hundreds, sounds like but- a ton to me. I mean, my dad had... Two for a little bit, and yeah. I was like, oh, "That's pretty cool." You've got fifty-two. Yeah, fifty-two right now. So. And have you bought any of those, or have those have all come from I, this rescue? When kind of- I started, I bought two. Okay, just to and get just to get started, and ever since then, it's just been gaining and losing. You know, by the different uh, the different years. Okay, some winners we lose some, and some you know we we keep them, and then we gain even more the next year. So, but a lot of them do come from cutouts or swarm rescues. People call and say, "Hey, there's a swarm of bees in my yard. We'll go get them." Hmm. So, so how much honey do you get from 52 hives? <laughs> oh man, I, you know, th- I think this year is going to be really good. I mean, we should easily have over 100 gallon. 100 gallon should at least. Holy cow! So maybe more, maybe less, but I, I, I would, I'm estimating right now 100 gallons. That's insane. Yeah. What, what do you do with all that honey? Well, we we sell it. You know. I guess you have to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you know, the the first big year we had with all the first, I think I had thirty something hives, and our first big year, and we sold uh, eighty gallons, and it paid for all my equipment. Wow. Everything that I invested, it paid it all back. Yeah. So every year since then, it's just been profit. Just straight profit. Yeah. Unless yeah. I buy more bee boxes and stuff, so yeah, I'm not losing anything besides time. How much for so, so for fifty two hives? I assume they have to be somewhat spaced out. You can't just probably line them up like a condo and a hotel down on the Panama Beach. You got to kind of space them out, right? Well, yeah, I I put them. I do put a bunch of them together, but they're they're spread out anywhere from ten to fifteen foot apart. Okay, there'll be a three, and then there'll be four, and then there'll be three and four. Uh, I like to have room to mow around. You know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, and if, if I say if I know these four, there's something wrong with them. Uh, then the other ones aren't going to be right next to them spreading that an insect or a possible disease that you can keep them spaced out. So they are pretty close. You don't you don't need a whole lot of land and room. I'm just thinking like for a guy who's got, you know, an acre, would he be able to keep 50 hives on his place? 
If it, yeah, because bees will travel three to five miles to find, sure. to forage and find stuff. I mean, so as long as there's enough resources there, I mean, yeah. Just in, around the, the vicinity yeah. of the area. You don't it, have to have everything on your property. No, they'll go out and, you know, they'll, you know, like in the heat of summer, they'll, they'll be making the old lady down the street mad because they'll be raiding the hummingbird feeder, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> that old lady down the street. Uh, yeah. She doesn't like your bees. The bees are all over my hummingbird feeder. So, I mean, yeah, they'll go out and forage and find stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, if you could start beekeeping, you at least want to start with two hives. Okay. Gotcha. So if one's doing better than the other, then you realize that, you know, this other one's not doing as good. Or if you need to uh, borrow eggs or brood from one to boost the other, you can. Mm-hmm. So that's what's always good to start with two. What kind of maintenance do you have to do on those to to keep everyone healthy and happy? And Because I know bees, they can be kind of fickle and they can die off. They can abandon the hive. They can do yeah. different things. What what kind of stuff do you have to do to keep them around? Um, every, You know, during the warm seasons, you inspect, I inspect every week to two weeks. Okay. Just to make sure there's no swarming issues, make sure everybody's healthy. The queen's laying right. That's the main thing. If your queen's not doing good, the hive's doomed. And and do you physically open up the hive to find the queen in each in each one of the hives? No. Usually what, what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll look for a brood pattern. I'll make sure they have plenty of honey, but I'll make sure she's trying to lay in every cell. And it's just solid. If, if it's a spotty brood, then it's a queen that I don't I need I don't need to have. I need to get rid of her. She's not bred good and she's just not laying right. So what I'll do is I'll uh, remove her from that hive and then introduce a new queen or let her make a new one. Do you call like a queen recruiter? Like, <laughs> where do you find a new queen? So usually, LinkedIn, I, usually I, a- <laughs> you're right. Usually I have some other small hives that I that I just breed queens in. Oh okay. So so a hive they will they will take an egg and they will build a queen cell and they can make a a new queen out of that. Really? Yep. They can make it their own queen. All the all the the all the bees in the hive are female. Out of one hive. Yep, they're all female except for drones, and the drones are just there mainly in the spring and summer. Interesting. But yeah, but all the the and the queen's not the the boss. All the nurse bees are the bosses. Really? Yeah. They, I feel like that's opposite of what I was taught in school. Yeah, yeah. The, the nurse bees are the bosses. The queen's just there is to lay eggs. Really? She's a so she's, she's an egg slave. So the queen is kind of a it's a over she's overtitled really yeah to, I mean, they some, take care of her i mean they garden. they feed her and they clean her and they take care of her but she's she's there to do one thing and if she don't do her job right they'll kill her themselves wow that's make crazy. a new one man that's a <clears throat> high pressure job yeah. there so what i you know if i find that situation i just kind of hurry the process mm, okay you know, like, you're not doing good yeah and then it, it'll be amazing how a hive can turn around with a a, a good queen mm. so Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I I didn't know that. I I kind of always thought the queen ran the show. She laid the eggs. Everyone protected her because because she was the boss. But it's really just because they are trying to further their own yeah hive. Yeah. It, it's like a total survival instinct, right? Yeah. The nurse bees stay with her and they push her around and get a cell clean. But like, and she'll she'll inspect it and then lay an egg in it and then move on to the next one. How about that? That's crazy. So, so. you've got fifty two hives. You're getting about a hundred gallons. So. My rough math, that's about two gallons of hive, roughly? Yeah, um, yeah, probably. More or less. Some will be more because you'll okay. have, like I said, back to the good queen. Yeah. I mean, you could get a swarm and a great queen, and that high, that that swarm can give you honey by the fall. Man, that is cool. It's how fast it, you know, gallons of it. That's insane. So. I want to try some of this stuff. Um, I, you know, I've had some some local natural honey. I'm sure it's probably similar to any other natural honey you've had. But do you feel like this your stuff is like really good? Like, does it taste better than honey you can buy in the store? So we have uh, a peach orchard real close to us. 
So a lot of times our honey will taste like peaches. Oh, really? So yeah, and oh man, it's good. So it so people kinda, the flavor kind of cross contaminates. Yeah, because a lot of them peach trees sap out, and the bees I've seen the bees harvesting that sap, you know, eating it and stuff, and they'll go back and turn it into honey. That sounds delicious. So, peach flavored. Yeah, honey. and everybody's like, hey, "Man, how'd you make it peach flavored?" And I'm like, "I didn't. I didn't do anything. The bees did it." Wow. So. That's pretty yeah. cool. Do you give like an extra markup for peach flavored honey? I, I didn't, but now people are like, "You got any of that peach honey? Can yeah. I get peach honey?" It's like, <laughs> no. Nah, you know, last year the, they didn't make any. It wasn't. It wasn't peachy. So this year, I, it's some. I tasted some, and it's peachy. So peachy honey. Yeah, peachy honey. I love it, man. And everybody's like, "Man, you take that and put that on a honey <laughs> bun." Oh, oh. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah. just stop me. Or put a little in your whiskey. I mean, they they're all about it. Yeah, man, so. that sounds good. So okay, so how much of how much of your time does that take? I mean. That's it, probably more seasonal, right? And everything you kind of do is a little bit seasonal. Um, but just kind of thinking about how you spend your time and balance between being a crappie guide, a fabulous crappie guide at that, running the taxidermy shop, getting these calls. How do you, like what kind of time split do you think it takes per week to to go on these different calls? Oh man, it's you know I'll be in here working, and I got a guy that works with me in here too, so. You know, I could get a bee call, and I'll be like, okay, we'll schedule it for Wednesday. Yeah. And I'll try to do all my bee stuff on Wednesday. You know, uh, guide trips, you know, when I'm doing that full-time, it's, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's okay. schedule it for those days. The rest, I've got to be here or running on bee calls. Okay. I mean, even if, I get a, if I'm here working and I get a swarm call, you know, I'll tidy up what I'm doing, and I'll run and go get them, and then come back. Gotcha. So, I mean, it is time management, but, I mean, I don't work 8 to 5. It's... When I get up to when I go to bed, yeah, you know, just whenever you, yeah, when I when I get done, yeah, you know, now that it's daylight till eight, I mean, I come in and working late, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice. I I enjoy the extra time in the day because it does kind of feel like you have more time to do stuff, yeah, that you need to do or want to do. So I mean, yeah, it's I don't know. I work. I'm self employed, so I mean, it's I got to do what I got to do. Yeah, you know, run and gun. That's right. That's what I do. That's run and gun. Well, speaking of running gun, something you know, you're talking about moving quick, doing things fast. Let's talk about something that doesn't quite move so fast. Taxidermy, right? Yeah. Everyone's always wondering, where's my deer? Why is it taking so long? I Peyton had dropped this deer off with you a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. What's going on? <clears throat> what what takes so long and and just what is the process? You know, maybe help people understand this is your chance, I guess, to explain why taxidermy takes so long and when someone drops off a deer and it's now two years later. What's kind of behind that process, and, and what goes into that? Well, you know, most deer are dropped off between, you know, the 20th of October till, um, I don't know, probably November 30th. Okay. And, you know, in all that time, pretty much all you're doing is taking in deer. You're taking in deer, you're skinning, you're measuring, you're hearing the hunting stories. I mean, one person, I mean, I, you know, like last year I had one guy that hung out here for three hours. Just, just talking. Want, just want to talk about his deer and his hunt, <laughs> and that's awesome. That's I mean, so we kind of devote, you know, a month and a half just to take in deer and talk and write measurements down and yeah. take their form and and go back and forth. And you're hunting too, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I getting close to four o'clock. I'm gonna go get in the stand. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's and one of those days is how I killed old big boy here behind me. You yes, know, because because it's like, man, I got out of here and I was like, that was the, the was it Wednesday on uh, muzzleloading. The first cool evening That's we what had. This guy was? Yeah, it was the first cool night we had, and I was like, "Man, I'm glad I was there." Yeah. So, but yeah, so it, you know, 
usually taxidermists are hunters too. So yeah, we like we like to hunt during that time. But I assume that's kind of how you get into it, right? You maybe do one for yourself. You kind of learn it, and you're like, oh, I could do this. Like I think that this wouldn't be so hard to do well, for I, other people. I became a taxidermist because I be, because I got tired of waiting on deer. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and now I hardly ever get to mount my own. So like this is the first one I mounted for myself in years. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not waiting on this one. You know, I'm finally doing it. I'm doing it. And this was how many years ago did you shoot this one? Oh, this was like the past season. This was past season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have some customers go, you mounted your own deer? Yeah. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah, you know, I'm not, you <laughs> you know, know I'm not taking the heat. You know what? Yeah. It's my business. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go fishing that day. I yeah. mounted that deer. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so it takes a while to take them in, right? Yeah. You, it- t- you take one in, uh, you take the measurements. Uh, I mean, to put it characteristic, or not characteristically, but. Say I take a deer in on a Monday. Yeah. If I had all the stuff here to do it, the form and everything, I can mount it on a Friday. Then it's got to dry for two weeks. So, but but the way we run business is we we tan a whole bunch of hides, mm-hmm. and then we mount a whole bunch. We tan a whole bunch. We mount a whole bunch. And then we spend a whole week just painting, just to finish work. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I mean, you don't want it to you know mix up all your paint and stuff for one deer. Yeah. You want to do several. Well, you know. Hmm. So. Okay. Now I'm I'm not a taxidermist, so. so- Forgive me if this is a bad question, but what are you painting? Oh, so you, you know, paint the you paint the noses and the uh, the inside of the noses, the outside. You paint around the eyes and the inside of the ears. Oh, okay. Because you've got basically You're putting their makeup on is what I call it. That makes sense. I guess I always assume you know you've got the hide right, and that's just that's it's the color yep. of the skin and the nose and the eyes is all natural. Um, but all that fades in the in the process of painting, so yeah. you have to add that detail back. Gotcha. In that color. Okay. So. So there's some painting in it. Yeah, there's some painting. So you're involved. a bit of an artist too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the I don't like finished work. I like just mounting them, and putting yeah. them together. I mean, but that's part of it. Yeah. You gotta. I guess you gotta do every every yeah. little aspect of it. You know, my favorite thing to do is predators. So, or fix it to a whole bunch of those pretty soon. So. Predator mounts. Predators like bobcats and coyotes. Not just the skins. Like you got some tube skins here. Yeah. Yeah. No, the full mount. The full mount. Yep. Yeah, they're my favorite. Oh, that's cool. So, what's what's uh, why do those why are those your favorite? I don't know. I just everybody else thinks they're really hard, and I just enjoy doing them. I like fluffing them up and having a big, pretty bobcat. They're just cool looking. They are cool. I mean, you know, everybody sees deer. Yeah, sure. You know, but you're like, oh man, you, you somebody walks in your house and they see a big old bobcat mounted up. They're like, man, that's cool. It's it. I feel like you know the the bobcat mounts, the fox mounts, the stuff that I see feels like you get to be a little bit more creative with the setup because it's chasing a quail or it's it's you know jumping up in the air trying right. to catch a tweety bird or something do you kind of do you like that creativity of it do you try to mix it up and put these scenes together or you you just like the simple stuff too well it's whatever the customer orders but you know sometimes they'll have me you know mount a squirrel with it or a duck okay. or a pheasant you know which we'll do all that too open mouth closed mouth but usually just a just a cat laying on the log. Yeah. You know, acting like he has no care in the world, just sitting there going, I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty. Yep. That's these spots. Yep. So <clears throat> that's pretty cool. But yeah, it's all time consuming. I mean, it's it, it, if you're not a busy taxidermist, then not many people are coming to you. Yeah. So you'd rather be busy. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I mean, tell customers if you're not waiting on me, then something's wrong. So yeah, there's a reason people aren't coming. Yeah. That's good. That's a, that's a sign of a good taxidermist. So. So it takes a while, and then I know, I know, obviously, over the last couple of years with COVID and stuff, there's been challenges with getting supplies yeah. and stuff like that. And I, I think, you know, I follow you on Facebook, and I saw a video you posted probably a couple of weeks ago. You were talking about how the eyes—you're waiting on these really nice glass eyes. You put in an order; it takes, you know, five, six months for them to get here. 
But then after all that time, the order gets canceled because the supplier went out of business. So now you got to put in a new order. You're waiting yeah. another five, six months, um, stuff like that. How often does that happen? <laughs> COVID is the first time I've ever seen it. I mean, you, you order something that's here in three to four days. I waited on glass ice for 13 months. Oh, my gosh. And then got my order canceled and had to scramble and find something somewhere else. Wow. I just You get to using the glass side. It's handmade and pretty, and, you know, that's what customers expect because I makes them out. It really does. Okay. And all they had left was the old black ones from the 80s is what I call them. You know, they're old. There's no detail in them. Yeah. So, and it's like I did not want to use those, and, you know, I got caught up waiting. So, they put me, it put me behind. That it, that puts you behind. Yeah. And you still probably haven't caught up from, I mean, 13 months is a long time. Yeah. Now. I mean, we were, you know, our 20, 21 deer were waiting. So, yeah, we're finally caught up. We got a few of those left, and we're starting our 22s now. Yeah. So, we're going to try to have them all done by the, the September. 